You are Locked On Hawks Postcast, part of Locked On Atlanta on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Atlanta Basketball Party, your home for the best Hawks talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere but here at Locked On. I'm your host, Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me is Deshaun Tate. The Atlanta Basketball Party is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Day. So today we will talk to you guys a little bit about what some of these roster needs are for the Hawks and what they're trying to accomplish, especially as we get closer and closer to the NBA trade deadline. And the NBA and MBPA tried to right the ship, but did they mess with folks' money a little bit too much in trying to do so? We'll talk about that as well when we go around the Metro. But first things first, we want to talk about the Hawks actually getting a blowout win against the Lakers Tuesday night as one of their first four West Coast foes in this home stand. We're going to talk about it in Tease and Taste Tate. So let's go. Now, Deshaun, like I mentioned, the Hawks got a decisive win against the Lakers Tuesday, 138 to 122 was the final. You had all kinds of superlatives that you could give out, right? You had seven Hawks players who were in double figures. You almost had four Hawks players who had double doubles. And you could take the superlatives from the starters onto the role players. First time in two months that you would see the starters and the first three players off the bench, all healthy and ready to go in the lineup, all dressed out. May make some people think, okay, okay, this is something to be encouraged by. But real talk, do you think that win was enough to say they've turned the corner? If so, tell me why you think so. But if not, what do you need to personally see at a bare minimum to feel like the team's moving in the right direction and maybe potentially turning the corner to turn the season? Yeah, as as much to Nietzsche as I want to say that it gave me all this confidence and all of this, I have to be brutally honest because we only do that on this show. It didn't. And it, but, but it should, right? Because whenever you have, uh, you know, guys that are up for all-star appearances and, you know, uh, 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 um, you know, most improved up for, you know, most improved uh, player award and, and six man yeah. award and the leading offensive rebounder in the NBA and all of these different things. Um, then it should make me feel a little bit better. I mean, this this should be considered like the norm. The Lakers have not been, you know, the they're not the Lakers that we've seen in the bubble. They hadn't been. It's about time that this team kind of put their foot on the gas and on the necks of teams that they should. The confidence builder, though, however, is the fact that it's impressive to be able to come out with a win, right? Um, in addition to the fact of during a time when you haven't really been playing your best brand of basketball against mm-hmm. an, the uh, opposing team that uh, has an arguably probably the best player in the world on it. Um, sure. What I need to see is I need to see more of the field that I had when Trey wasn't playing. We had DeJounte playing and and that win against Orlando, that energy. I'm a big energy person, positively optimistic. I need to be able to, you know, have that kind of feel. Same as when they played San Antonio in the first half of that game. I need to feel that way. The same way when they played Miami and, you know, DeJounte hit the the buzzer beater in that game and they played, you know, fluidly throughout that entire course and duration of that game. I need to feel that way. The same way that we played against the Lakers and dot, dot, dot. 
Yeah. They seem like they're on that upward trajectory. I just need more of it. That communication that we've been talking about that's been lacking, I need more of that. The camaraderie, forcing mm -hmm. opposing teams to pick your poison and things like that. I need to see that more consistently oh, yeah. from this team before I can be able to say that I feel much better about the win against the Lakers. And I think that's a great point because in our postcast last night, you mentioned that this may be that may have been the first show that we've done this entire season where we did not mention our favorite phrase. Give it to me. Consistently. <laughs> Inconsistent. We did true. not mention it last night, right? So when you and I, we talk about stringing wins together, when you and I can string together a series of shows where we don't mention that concept, then I think we can start talk about talking about turning around the corner. Like you said, the Lakers have been middling at best, especially since they won the in-season tournament. This was also a Lakers team that was without Anthony Davis. He was out of the roster lineup for the third game in a row, and they were coming off of a back-to-back -back in Houston the night before. So literally, you're kind of getting, a, I don't want to say half a Lakers team, but we'll call it a hobbled Lakers team, if you will. Now, let us see if you can string that along when you look at the fact that, like I said, this is the first of the four games with the homestand, six game homestand, but they're playing four West Coast teams first Lakers. Then it'll be the Suns on Friday. Then you've got the Warriors Saturday. And then you wrap up with the Clippers, I believe, Monday. If you and I can have this conversation after Friday night, Suns have not been themselves of late, you know, the ones that went on like a seven game tear, but they're still kind of up and down. They've cooled off, but they're still the Suns. They're still Kevin Durant there. Uh, the Warriors blew out the Hawks just a week and a half ago. So that'll be a good test. And then the Clippers are playing some good ball right now as well. Then mm -hmm. we start talking about once we start seeing them string some games together, or dare I say, we've not seen a four-game winning streak yet this season. We almost got mm -hmm. it two weeks mm -hmm. ago, but we mm -hmm. didn't quite get there. I think that's what would convince me that they turn the corner. You might want to say they're trying to turn the corner and being able to see the likes of those five starters, although we know DeAndre Hunter came off the bench, so Sadiq Bey was in the starting lineup. But when we talk about the eight, meaning Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, last night, of course, Sadiq Bey, Jalen Johnson, and Clint Capella, and then we throw Bogdan Bogdanovich in there, Anyeka Okongu, and whoever that eighth person is going to be. It was DeAndre Hunter last night. Have not seen that group in two months mm -hmm. be able to be available for a game. So I think the other thing is, Deshaun, I'll give it a caveat. And I'll say that you and I have also taken a step back to say, hey, we understand that this healthy group, this healthy band of Hawks we've not seen for a stretch of time during the course of the season, back on November 27th and every game before that, you could say that they were maybe just kind of getting their sea legs wet as a unit. So this might be one of those where if it, there was a grade to it, maybe we could still give an incomplete. The mm -hmm. other question I have for you is this. As we look at the roster, as it's currently constructed, Trey, DJ, CC, JJ, those are your four that are in that starting lineup with that person at the three kind of flipping, depending on the health of that the individual player. Who's the most ideal to start in that long lineup alongside them down the stretch? Is it a Sadiq Bay? who has had a monster four games, if you will, and has really strung together even more so than the four games, the two-way play that we needed to see from him. We're starting to see the three-point assassin and the guy who's running up and giving the effort on rebounds, or the guy that Quinn Snyder said he was happy to see back in DeAndre Hunter because he gave him wingspan. 
And with that wingspan could come maybe some better wing defense. Yeah. Um, I'll try not to be long-winded about it. Um, I think, you know, immediately as of right now, it's going to be Sadiq Bey continue to be until DeAndre Hunter can kind of, you know, get back into game playing shape and whatever else, what have you. Um, but I and I do think that that switch, that change will be made where you have Hunter back in the lineup. I just like it a little yeah. bit better where you have Sadiq Bey in that lineup, if I'm just being honest. Like, I feel like he's more comfortable in that starting lineup, especially mm-hmm. when you factor in that they're, you know, the pressure of being in a, a, a starter, um, that he just deals with it a little bit better, I guess, in order to produce. Um, I know exactly what I'm going to get out of Sadiq Bey, and I do understand that prior to these last four games, Sadiq Bey was struggling and whatnot. Um, and was not playing very well. But mm-hmm. one thing that he was doing is that he was playing. That's why I feel right. a little bit better about Sadiq Bay is because I, there's been way too many instances. I mean, perfect example, DeAndre Hunter, fifth year in the NBA, I think it is. He hasn't yeah. even played 67 or 68 games yet in any of in, in any season of his career as of yet. So I, 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 I like knowing what I'm going to get from somebody, even if that one thing is availability. The other thing yeah. is, is that he, DeAndre Hunter hadn't been uh, challenged to be a starter at any point, really, probably since we've seen Kevin and Cam uh, on this roster. I think True. it's about time that we kind of put him towards the bottom a little bit, bring him in off the bench, give him something new and make him come back and earn that spot over Sadiq yeah. Bay at least just to give it a little bit of a different look to see if he really does have what it takes to power through and persevere and catapult himself back into the starting lineup again. Yeah, and that's a great point because you wonder low-key if maybe that was a fuel or a motivation for Sadiq Bey, knowing that DeAndre Hunter was on his way back. He's got 35 minutes last night, 18 points and eight rebounds. Of course, uh, Dre was on a minutes restriction, so he only got about 16 minutes, but we shall see. That might be some healthy competition at the small four position. We'll talk more about what we need to see out of these guys in terms of them getting who they need on the roster and how they get to the next level. We'll talk about it in the end one. This episode of the Atlanta basketball party is brought to you by eBay motors. Now our partners at eBay motors have teamed up with locked on fantasy basketball host, Josh Lloyd, to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us in this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Now, Brandon Miller, who we found out is playing on the Futures NBA All-Star team uh, today. Of course, he with the Hornets has just been playing lights out of late. He's a guy that maybe you want to take because Miller has seen an uptick in his usage and in his performance since Terry Rozier got shipped out to uh, the Heat, I believe it is, that makes him a must-roster player on your fantasy team. We're talking about upping his points production to about 16 points a game, also around six or seven rebounds. So he is actually approaching a double-double. That's a guy that you may want to consider on your fantasy team. And of course, Patrick Williams is another one. While Zach Levine is out, Williams gets a minutes and usage bump up enough to be put into consideration for fantasy league. So Josh Lloyd, of course, as I mentioned, he's from Locked On Fantasy Basketball. He's going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows that it'll help you to build and win a championship team 
if you consider you a ride or die part of your championship team and your squad, because that's what they'll do. They'll help you to get a perfect fit with your vehicle. Now, with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So right now, Deshaun, you look at the Hawks and you think about the center position. And CC has been having some good games of late as well. He's kind of back to his double-double self, if you will, and definitely back to crashing the boards. But there are often times where we look and you kind of think back to last year or seasons gone by where you'd at least have when CC couldn't handle bigs on other teams, you'd see Onyeka Okongu really come in and do some damage. Haven't seen that as much this season from Onyeka Okongwu, but that kind of brings you to the thought process of, okay, you've got bigs. We called out a good big, although we know right now, Joel Embiid is not his Embiid selfies potentially out indefinitely. We're going to talk about the impact that that might have in the around the Metro segment, but Deshaun, he's an example of a big that can do it all. He's an example of a big that's going to go out on the perimeter and do a little bit of guarding those three point, shots if he needs to he's someone who doesn't have to just make a living under the basket he can move away from the basket basket and actually shoot that's the prototype of a center and we know the other prototype of that is your NBA champion Denver Nuggets Nikola Jokic so when you think about those bigs and what they're able to do is it kind of a disservice that the Hawks are doing to themselves by not having anyone at that position currently on the roster that can maybe pose that threat both offensively and stretching opposing defenses as well? I think that it is. Um, and, you know, I, with the center position at one point in time, most people, the consensus would agree that it's become kind of extinct. Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure if it necessarily has or more so the fact that you have to be able to add different elements yeah. to your game as not a center. I mean, at one point in time, we were talking about Scotty Pippen being the guy that is like the point forward, something we had never seen before. Now we see that out of Draymond Green and other guys. Then we see kind of like the power forward that is like the stretch, you know, stretch four and all this yeah. other stuff. Well, Nikola Jokic, like you said, is adding a different element where he's like a power i mean he's like a, a point center for the first time we've ever seen and yeah, so yeah. while while oyeka okangu and, and and clint capella aren't necessarily like big like stiffs to a degree like they have their shoes nailed to the floor or gum on the bottom of their shoes they're limited i feel yeah. like you know with uh especially clint capella's kind of limited to what he can do especially on the offensive end appreciate you for everything that you do give but we know that that's going to only go so far um still yet to see oyeka okangu step in place consistently uh and be able to give the kind of contribution that we need him to whether he's in the center role whether i'm sorry whether he's in the starting role whether he's in the backup role whatever it is it just doesn't feel like he's equipped to be exactly what we need him to be just yet yeah. and i think that the front office and the decision makers see that as well and that's one reason why clint capella's not really been in a rush or that they haven't been in a rush to move on from him 
Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of times where I think that because of how cerebral uh, Trey Young is with his play and how much attention gets paid to him, it's easier for him to get past the defenses um, and then kind of throw up that lob to whomever that that guy is. And it just so happens to be Clint Capella. Yeah. Um, beyond that, these are guys that don't really have a particular skill set that I feel really confident and comfortable with. I felt very similar about John Collins. These are guys that I don't feel confident can step out and shoot the three. These are guys that I don't feel very confident can hit a mid range shot from the elbow corner and different things like that consistently. So um, you need some pick and pop. And by the way, needless to say, Bruno Fernando isn't one of those guys either. So, you know, I think that there needs to be an upgrade to some degree again, Appreciate these guys for all that they bring, but I'm going to need a little bit more if this is in the event, truthfully, what they call this league and that being a scorer's league. Yeah, and I think the last couple of shows we've kind of alluded to that, that a lot of emphasis and attention has been paid to the backcourt and how the Hogs backcourt needs to have an uptick. And you and I kind of pivoted and said, no, if you're paying attention to how the game is evolving with other teams and around the association, it's really the front court. And particularly it's the five and the three, because we know the four is quite fine. Like Jalen mm -hmm. Johnson is quite fine with where he's, he is. You finally got somebody who, as we said in our last segment, you can kind of insert in there along with Trey young and DeJounte Murray, when they're being consistent, he would be actually your most consistent player. So really when we consider the front court, we're considering maybe that true or more traditional small forward. And then, a center that's traditional and non-traditional all at the same time because Joel Embiid has still got a big body and he's yeah. still going to get in there and bang with you in the yeah, paint. Yeah, no doubt. So with Nikola Jokic. But when Nikola Jokic goes out to take a 17-footer, no one's blinking. Mm -hmm. It may be the ugliest shot you've ever seen in your life, but I bet he <laughs> makes it. <laughs> you know, or when he goes out to the three, oddly enough, you have a little bit of confidence. Like, there's a good chance that he can make that too. And Joel Embiid has also evolved his game now. Going back to Onyeka Okongwu, Deshaun, we've seen evolution of his game. We know that he was one as well who, if it wasn't a point-blank shot under the basket where he was able to just do a bunny, or if it wasn't Trey lobbing it up to him, then there was no way he was going to get any points yep. in the scoring column. Yep. But we have seen him be able to get the putback, and it's not just the putback of like a slam dunk, but it's the putback where he's actually paying attention to what's going on in the game and knows at the perfect time I need to hop because I need to get that ball and put it back in. Also, he's somebody who, if he's out there 17 feet from the basket, you can feel comfortable that he can take a shot that he can actually actually make. The mm -hmm. challenge to your point is that we don't see enough of that productivity on offense and we don't get a chance sometimes to see it on defense because he gets into foul trouble. So mm -hmm. there's that. So yeah, mm -hmm. you really do have a little bit of a challenge there. And like we said, Sadiq Bey is starting to show signs and mm -hmm. starting to look like the Sadiq we saw when he was acquired from the Pistons last season. And it was like, wow, mm -hmm. yeah, what a breath of fresh air. That guy's actually starting to come back. But then the question becomes this. You paid DeAndre Hunter to be a starter. So yep. as soon as he's 100%, you're probably going to want to put him into the starting lineup. Yep. But the question is, has he and will he give you what you need? And maybe the answer to that is don't know because your best ability is your availability. And to your point, 
when we can't get past the 65 game hump in a season and all the seasons you've been here, availability is not exactly your strong suit. Now, the other piece that we talk about is this. It's not so much a specific player, but rather a type of player that's missing from this roster. And you and I kind of saw it in that tear. You know, DeJounte really has been on like a seven games here, to be honest with you, where mm-hmm. we've seen him consistently score over 20 points and oftentimes over 10 rebounds or 10 assists. But he's been right there flirting with that double-double, if not getting it, for the last seven games. We've seen brilliant games of communication with him that are just a joy to see because that's the guy, like I said, when I was the in-game analyst for the Hawks, that's the guy who used to always be my keys to the game by halftime because I was like, there he goes again. There goes five again. But that said, there's a little edge that I saw in DJ before he got here that I don't see enough that I want to see. So I would say for me, Deshaun, it's a type of player that I'm looking for, still looking for that edge and that guy who's going to sort of be the de facto dictator, right? The guy Mm -hmm. who maybe could be that bench player. I believe Lou Williams fit that role extremely well. I believe Vince Carter fit that role extremely well. That's why both of them were asked to come back for second seasons at the end of their careers. And I will also say, you know, I go back to him all the time, Solomon Hill. Where's mm-hmm. that kind of guy? So for me, it's the type of guy that understands his assignment. I'm the rah-rah guy, like a John Collins, or I'm the junkyard dog. I'm going old school, like a Damari mm-hmm. Carroll. Yeah, that yeah. type of player that kind of pulls all of these different personalities together to mm-hmm. make them a unified front to get this team over the hump. No, you took all the words right out of my mouth. By the way, de facto dictator. I mean, you 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 always have the perfect words to describe everything. It seems like when where yours may you know um, be a Solomon Hill or what have you. Uh, mine is like Ivan Johnson. You know, I couldn't oh, agree with yeah. you more when I start talking about guys that got that edge, guys that got that dog. We say it all the time when it comes to the PJ Tuckers and the you know the 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 Draymond yep. Greens yep. and all these guys. Yep. You know, Grant Williams, blah, blah, blah. Like, Mm -hmm. everybody hates those guys until those are the guys on your team because they make the difference maker. (laughs) I, They are the difference makers. I used to say that they needed more adults on this roster. I'm not sure that that's necessarily the issue nearly as much as it is. Somebody who I feel confident can be that emotional leader when things kind of seem like it's going off the track a little bit to pull everything back in place. The glue if you will. Um, That's what I feel like they're probably missing the most. And I think that that goes beyond stat sheets. It helps the stat sheet some. I think it goes, you know, beyond just in the locker room. And I think it just Mm -hmm. forces other guys to hold themselves accountable because they don't want to get chewed out by this guy. And I think that when you have something like that, that betters you as a player. And in some ways it betters you as a person. It teaches you how to win. Yeah. And it's the guy who has enough cachet to be able to make those comments and get the respect of everybody from the top players. I'm going to go one all the way down through nine. So yeah, you, you got it when you say it's not so much you're calling them out saying that they're kids when you say there needs to be an adult in the room, but you're talking about that example and that definition of what an adult in the room looks like. When we come back, we'll take you around the Metro. This episode of our Atlanta basketball party is also brought to you by LinkedIn. You know, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why 
you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So you can add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that your business is hiring. Simple tools like make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn jobs helps you find those qualified candidates. Like I said, when you want to talk to them, it's a faster and easier, simpler process. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, Deshaun, you've got some interesting developments that are coming down from the NBA today, including an expansion. You know, sometimes we say when we think about the draft shows for the major leagues, of course, NFL, NBA, MLB, if you will, that networks already drag them out and take it over the top. Well, the NBA didn't think it was enough. So they thought, hey, we'll make ours more dramatic and we'll just expand it to two nights. So this year, this season in 2024, the draft will be split into first and second rounds on June 26th and the 27th. The first round will still be at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Then the second round will move to ESPN's studios in lower Manhattan. This was something that both the NBA and the Players Association agreed to to change it from the traditional one night event. So you're still going to have the first round being about five minutes between picks. But the second round, which is usually very quick, it moves about two minutes between picks. Now it's going to be four minutes. The reasons they're giving for the expansion of the event, of course, will be the obvious. It's about money, the programming rights for their television partners, but the NBA and the teams are saying that they're also hopeful that those hours will give more time to make trades and kind of plan strategies for the second night, because some teams have felt like it's just way too frenetic when it comes, especially to that second round and kind of making those trades. So with the rationale in mind for the expansion of the draft from one night to two, dare I say it for a basketball junkie like you, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I knew this was going to make you happy, but what are your thoughts on having it from one night to two nights? Yeah, I mean, listen, an extra day of basketball ain't never going to hurt nobody, certainly not in the Tate household. I knew in it. Which... <laughs> In which, if you can't tell, I'm like ear to ear right now. But um, no, I mean, listen, if there's two, and, and listen, Mama Tate can tell you, if there's two times where it's like, don't bother him, leave him alone, don't talk to him, put the food in the microwave, lock it down. We might even have to slide the dinner under the door like they do under the prison. Yeah, seriously. Um, and, and that is during Selection Sunday and the night of the NBA draft. Um, shocker, right? So I, I, I just... You know, I I hope that what comes along with this, with adding, you know, not only um, an extra day, but giving you some opportunities or the front offices and decision makers and so forth, some opportunities to think a little bit more about the decisions that they're making and the changes yeah. that they want to make in, in trades and different things like that. Um, extending the time of the picks from two minutes to four minutes even. Uh, I think that that is good. I just hope that, you know, we ain't going to hear no excuses out of, you know, well, we didn't have long enough to be able to, you know, evaluate this player to see exactly what we were getting. 
this is more than enough time for that. Obviously, because of ratings and other things, this is going, you know, money and everything else, this is going to help in those regards as well. But um, I just, I, I don't think that it's bad. And it highlights some of the, these players in the, that get picked in the second round where it's like, you know, first round, it kind of drags out and plays a little long. They sit there and talk about them for a while. Second round, it's like, all right, in the 50-something pick, this person next in the yeah. 57 pick, you know what I mean? It gives a little bit of time for someone who's, this is a big day for guys. Their lives are changing forever, how they're going to feed their families and everything else. Um, it should be a little bit more than just rushing to get them out of the way. So I just kind of want to throw that piece out there that I think it's good that we're kind of expounding on some of this. I just hope that the viewership is what it should be because you get a lot of value in second round guys. Indeed. And we live in a one and done culture where many of us, don't know college basketball's finest the way we used to because we could follow a player for two, three, sometimes four years. These days, you're lucky if you follow them for one year. And if you follow them for one year, heck, they might not be on the same team thanks for the transfer portal. So mm -hmm. this also gives us an opportunity to maybe for the fans, when your favorite team ends up drafting that player in the second round, maybe this gives you a chance to know a little bit more about him because like you said, the second round can produce some jewels as well. So we'll be looking forward to seeing a draft night that's not just a draft night, but draft nights in the end of June. But another piece of controversy that came out of the NBA today and has actually been kind of brewing for the last couple of days, and that is kind of the fallout of what we didn't know was going to be when this came up about because – there was a good reason for it, right, Deshaun? When we heard about the NBA deciding that it would kind of lock down or clamp down on load management by requiring a minimum of 65 games per player per season, then you thought, okay, good, because I can remember Hawks fans letting you and I know how disappointed they would be sometimes mm -hmm. when like last night you got to see LeBron James right and there mm -hmm. would be disappointment sometimes when they find out last minute because the mm -hmm. last injury report of the night was turned in 90 minutes before the game oh LeBron's not playing oh yeah okay so this was supposed to be to diffuse the issues around load management and also to dissuade players from just taking a random night off in markets where maybe they're like, I don't want to play, or maybe they know, hey, there's about 17 blue flames I can hit up in Atlanta. I'm just not going to play. I'm going to just hit the blue flame and keep it pushing. But it now has had an adverse impact. Tyrese Halliburton came out a couple of days and talked about it. He may not make the 65-game minimum, but Tyrese Halliburton has been legitimately injured. He's played through it. He came back last night, almost helped the uh, Pacers beat the Celtics, it was a one possession game. And then all of a sudden, because of the minutes restriction, because of his injury, he had to go out and we know what, we know the rest is history. Joel Embiid, who's been out now for three games is, and now is out indefinitely. Why? Because he came back too soon. Why did he push himself? Because Joel Embiid was in the MVP conversation yet again, but knew he wouldn't even be eligible without 65 games. Well, guess what? Now, that he's legitimately injured and he'll be out indefinitely. Deshaun, there's a good chance he still won't be eligible because he won't make the 65 games. So I feel like this was that blind spot that, okay, in all fairness to Adam Silver, maybe you couldn't see it because you had the right intention, but I feel like the result doesn't match the intention. Yeah, I feel like it's a, you know, never ending revolving door because by you forcing some of these guys, and I'm all about, you know, being the person that, 
you know, hey, I'm going out and spending my money to go watch these guys play, and then they're just sitting. And a lot of times it's because guys don't really have significant injuries or whatever, what have you. Mm-hmm. Some guys are sitting out probably because they probably, you know, a, a, a broken, you know, a pinky toenail for crying out loud. Um, but then you got other guys out there that are giving it their all. Back in the day, Allen Iverson playing with broken yeah. collarbones and things yep. like that. Um, so, I, you know, I, I understand it's a bad look for the league and families are spending lots and lots of money yeah. to go to some of these games. But also pushing some of these guys to go out there and play when they are truly mm-hmm. injured and play a big part to their teams. I don't know if that's the right answer either. Uh-huh. So um, I, I unfortunately don't know the right answer to this. Don't get paid all the big money to figure this thing out either. Um, uh-huh. But it is it is definitely uh, a bad look in a lot of ways and hurtful for this league. I feel for the players. I feel for the yeah. people, the fans. I feel right. for both sides of it. I just hope mm-hmm. that somebody can come in and be able to provide some sort of solution for this to where, you know, it's somewhat of a happy medium for everybody that's involved. Indeed, I hope so as well. And it may not be something that the NBA and the MPBPA can actually address and resolve this season, but certainly it brings the conversation back to the table to maybe put some nuances to that mm-hmm. new rule. So we appreciate you guys for stopping by. As always, the Atlanta Basketball Party, your home for the best talks talk. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And you can download us for free wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you tomorrow on the Atlanta Sports Party.